Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here, live from Daytona Beach, talking about the Daytona 500 here tonight. Uh, here tonight, the Daytona 500. We are previewing the 500 and everything that goes about it. We also are going to pre- uh, review Speed Weeks, talk about what happened on Saturday today at the Xfinity Series race, Truck Series race last night, and the 150s on Thursday. 917-889-8280 is the number to call tonight here on Talking Circles. Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here tonight on Talking Circles. Welcome, everybody. We are previewing Speed Weeks 2019. And, Philip, how excited are you for uh, Speed Weeks 2019 here and the Daytona 500? I mean, it's a, it's a part of life, you know, for all of us. It's been a part of our lives for a long time. I mean, it's 27 years for me. And so I the Daytona 500 is a rite of passage. It's one of the biggest days of the year. And, I mean, we'll get into more details about what's really going on or what's happened. But the fact is I still get excited the same way I did when I was a little child, you know, knowing that the Daytona 500 is upcoming. It's such a big deal. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but you know, it's, it's the great American race. It means so much and it means so much to the drivers too. So, uh, you you want to win this one. So, I mean, it's, it's a big deal for drivers. So, I mean, for fans, it's like, it's like Christmas, new year, it's everything put in one for NASCAR fans. Yeah, it really is. It's a great weekend here at Daytona International Speed Week. All Speed Weeks is always fun. Every time we we get ready to go to Speed Weeks and, and this whole week anticipation, and it always goes so fast. It's, it's almost like you know your first day of school and, and, and you anticipate it so much, and then all of a sudden it's here, and it goes so quickly. You're like, oh, it's a lot of racing. It's it's four weeks, or four races, four days in a row, and it's gone in the blink of an eye, and here we are getting ready already for the 62nd Daytona 500. Uh, Spencer, you know, You've gone to these the last few years. What are your thoughts on the on speed weeks here as we get ready? Uh, I think the package has everybody uh, kind of worried. You know, nobody wants to go there and spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on a ticket and watch them run as, as a, in a single file. So, I mean, if I want to do that, I can just go down Ridgewood by my house and watch a train go by. So, um, I think they have to I think that's what everybody wants and not don't want to see is the single file racing. They want to see, you know, two by two, squeeze in three wide, make passes. And, you know, the only guy that's been able to do that is Chase Elliott and nobody's going with him. Nobody wants to move. Nobody wants to work. So, I mean, we'll just have to find out. So, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this package goes tomorrow with everything going on. Uh, are we going to see what we saw, more of what we saw Friday night? and the truck series race, or are we going to see what we saw Saturday in the Xfinity series race where it was really lackluster. There wasn't a lot of movement around Thursday was another, uh, a lot of single file racing. I'm not really sure why that is. I mean, uh, it's been the same package in the cup series here for the last few years. And we haven't seen nearly as much single file racing as we had in the, as we have this week. Uh, even the clash on Sunday, last Sunday, wasn't very great. Uh, wasn't a lot of, drafting going on there uh it was just sort of single file racing same thing on thursday same thing on saturday but philip matthew i want to get your opinion on this i thought maybe the drivers today in the xfinity series race were a little bit cautious because of what happened 
on Friday night in the Truck Series race. We saw 11 cautions in that Truck Series race where Austin Hill went to victory lane, uh, his first career win in the Truck Series. Only nine trucks finished that event. It was it was a wreck fest, let's be honest with you. And uh, I think it, was a, it ended up being about 110 laps, and it was 11 cautions. So if you do the math there, it's about a caution every 10 laps on average. So there was a lot of a lot of carnage in that race. Do you think maybe the Xfinity Series drivers looked at that race, looked at what happened and said, I don't want to tear up my truck or my car like we saw with the trucks last night, and that's sort of why they were a little bit extremely cautious today? Or do you think there was more to it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's a multifaceted thing, but I mean, I the, I thought running during the day, they would be able to they get a little more loose and they'd be racing a little bit more. But literally within five to ten laps, they were running just one single giant single file line. Uh, the only move that happened in segment one during the Xfinity race was. Uh, Justin Haley going and making a move on Jeffrey Earnhardt for the for the stage win. Then you know, then Ross Chastain, his teammate for this week and for two other races this year, won the second stage. But there wasn't there was a move early in the run, and then that went away. And then there was about five laps when I fell asleep uh, because it was so compelling. And then I woke up with three laps to go. Uh, the the. I mean, the point is yesterday was a joke. I, the, and the reality is restrictor play racing the last few years in large part because of all these restrictions and rules and things, oh, you can't lock bumpers or you can't bump draft or you can't do this and you can't do that. So then all of a sudden you just have these – and then you have a lack of general lack of respect, it seems, uh, with these drivers uh, where they just slam – like slam drafting has become this thing where – they don't know how to bump draft, so they'll just slam right in you and wreck people. You know, Jimmy Johnson didn't. I mean, he, I, I consider what he did on last Sunday a slam draft into it and then move sideways and blew him around, blew Paul Menard around and wrecked the whole entire field. And then he flat ran right into Kyle Busch on 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 Thursday and admitted it. Uh, the the racing package, what they're doing, whether it's they they're worried about wrecking their cars or whatever it may be, it's a sad commentary on the product you're putting out there, and the fact that they're not addressing it also tells me a lot about what the sanctioning body really thinks of their fans. And I think about these races, and we consider this is the biggest weekend of the year. It's the first race of the year. You know, you everyone makes waits for Daytona. And you see these this product. You saw the Arca race last Saturday was ridiculous, and then the truck race is similar to that. And you just had a bunch of no talents just running over each other, and then causing wrecks like it was like the local demo derby at at Shakopee, 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 Washington, or whatever. Like Dave Despain used to talk about. And then you had today's race, which was was just a, a single file line, which you could have on at the Garden State Parkway. I mean, there was more action on the Garden State Parkway yesterday than, or today than there was at Daytona. So uh, it, it, could be, it could be any number of things. It was just frustrating to me as a fan that this is the product that NASCAR believes is good enough to put out there, and they've had months to work on it, and they have data to see that it theoretically doesn't work. Right. Well, it, it puts them in an interesting scenario because you can't really, I mean, obviously the, the the time to make a move 
for the package would have been on Thursday after the duels, what we saw. I actually thought the truck race was better than the Xfinity race just because at least they were trying and, and the bottom lane worked a little bit. Um, you know, and I know it was a wreck fest and there was a lot of accidents that were going on. But, you know, you're right. It's it's sort of a, a learning ground for a lot of those drivers. But that race was crazy from the beginning to end. I mean, it, from lap one to lap uh, 100, it was it was wild. It was a wild, wild race. Um, and, and it was entertaining. There's no doubt about it. It was there's a lot of wrecks in that race. Um, Spencer, why do you think today for the Xfinity Series race, why do you think the drivers waited so long to make their moves? I mean, it was almost like they – when we see what we used to see with the tandems where these drivers would wait until two laps or one lap to go and then decide to make their moves. We saw it on, on Thursday in the duels as well, where drivers would wait until one or two laps to go in a state in the, in the duels before they made their moves and, and before they tried to pass somebody. It's just not going to work. You're not going to win in this package if you're running eighth and, and get to the win in one lap, get, get to the first in one lap. It's just not going to happen. Why do you think, Spencer, that these drivers waited so long today in the Xfinity Series race to make their move? Uh, it, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, they not only did it in the Xfinity race, they also did it in the duels. But I think they wait so long is because they don't want to do it too early and then fall back to the the rear of the line or whatever, the pack, whatever they're in. So I feel like if they think they have a shot, they'll do it about one to go or two to go, which is too late, yes, you know. Joey Logano was shocked that nobody moves out of line for the stage win or anything. They just don't move. Chase Elliott says nobody moves. They didn't move in the duels to try to get Harvick. They waited till turn three, and they should have done it in turn one. But I think it has to do with the amount of they don't want to – if they fall back with one or two laps to go, they're not going to have time to get back up to the front of the pack. So I think they just feel like, you know, make a move with one to go, and if it doesn't work, they can't really fall the way back because one lap you're not – you know. So it's just I think timing is all in their head. I think that's all they're worried about is just having the right time, and they just apparently think 10 laps is – just not the right time to go. They obviously think to turn three and four, and then a little bit of the front straightaway is enough time. And we see that that's not going to work. We saw in the Xfinity Series race today, starting it at the end of the back straightaway was definitely not enough. Once all guy got there, his run died, and you know that led to one to Michael Annette to victory lane. So honestly, I don't know why they wait so long, but they it obviously hasn't worked in any of the races so far this speed week. So you think they'd get through their head? They need to try a little bit sooner. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it definitely needs to be something where you look at and you say, why are these drivers just not moving? And and maybe it's because they can't. Maybe they look at this package and they say, listen, this package is not what we want it to be. We can't move forward. We can't go to use the inside lane to, to advance the way we'd like to. And it, it's just so difficult to do that that we have to stay in the high lane. Now, what's interesting is the trucks, even the preferred lane, even in a truck race, for whatever reason, was the low lane. That was the preferred lane. All the time, it wasn't like the high lane was. They they migrated up there throughout, you know, in the middle part of the race for whatever reason. It was the the, the preferred lane in the trucks when they were in a single file line was the bottom, and we used to see that all the time in the cup with the cup cars, any Xfinity Series cars 
back when it was a Gen 6 car, or Gen 5 car, I should say, even back in a Gen 4 car, the bottom lane, the quickest lane around was always the bottom lane. Now it's changed. Now it's the top lane. And I don't know if it's because of the repave, but we see that Talladega as well. Could it be, Philip, something with, and, and I'm not sure how much um, mechanical background you have, could it be something with the gear rules? Or it just seems like what I felt like on Thursday when I was watching these races on Thursday, and we're going to dive into who we think is going to win the Daytona 500 in, in a dual races in a little bit, but what I felt like on Thursday when somebody got out of line, when Chase, every time Chase Elliott got out of line to try and make something happen, the momentum stopped. And the cars that were on top there that was with Chase Elliott all of a sudden just almost lost a draft every single time. And he had to get back in line and sort of get everybody in order. But it took a lap or two where they, before they really could get back and going again. It just seems like the momentum stops when you go low. What's the reasoning for that, Philip? Do you have any idea? I I mean, it's that's a good question. My mechanical savvy, I mean, I... My uh, working on cars is basic stuff and working on them years ago. But what I've noticed, and I think Dale Jr.'s mentioned it, and of course I think he's kind of, he's basically the conduit between us fans and being a, you know, big-time race car driver as he was in his heyday. And he won this race twice, and this kind of package that they're going to run tomorrow was basically what they had, albeit with a little more horsepower, I think a little more throttle response. Uh, I really, I mean, the, the, I've always been a proponent and I, I don't get why they don't go back to this. They have, they insist on sealing off these cars all the way to the ground. So there's no air going underneath them and they have to have these stupid splitters that if you get into the grass, you're going to rip up the whole front end of your car. And then they have, they don't, they change a spoiler angle and they do this and they do that. And they add all these other apparatus on the cars that don't need to be there because they say they're trying to keep the car down, but they still flip anyway. So obviously they, all these things they put on the car doesn't work. The only thing that's worked somewhat is the roof lap that the Hall of Famer Jack Roush went and made. Uh, to me, the, the solution is they have these cars sealed off to the ground so there's no air going underneath them. There's no air going around. So the point is the only way that you're able to get around somebody or near somebody is if you stall them out on the side. And if you and the problem is, Jimmy Johnson's proof of this, if you stall them out just right, you're going to turn into them, you're going to cause a wreck. I mean, there's really no, there's no middle ground there. Like, there was some movement, like you go and kind of side draft them and then you move off of them, and there's a way to do it cleanly. I mean, it was shown occasionally today. Uh, but then at the same time, we have yesterday, which was like the ARCA race, the truck race is kind of similar in that sense. And Austin Hill was able to just, like, block the way that the leader used to block in the gen, this Gen 6 car would have the lead, and they'd be able to block runs. It's the same way as Michael Annette was able to block the run to win the race. There was really no... There was no, not enough energy. There wasn't enough commitment. It was almost like, in a sense, it was more old school in that you need to have multiple cars to be able to, or trucks to pass. And I think the ultimate um, goal, and we will find out, I guess, in Talladega in a few months, is what if through whatever way possible they give them more throttle response and they're able to pass without having to, you know, 
need a whole crowd of a whole field of cars to pass somebody or else we're going to have the similar we're going to have a similar product and it's only going to get mm-hmm. it's only going to be either a wreck fest or it's going to be what it was today and what it has been so far through uh cup speed weeks which is just single file until two to go for the exception of joey logano and chase and daniel suarez now in seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero clayton caldwell spencer cowan and Philip Matthew here tonight on Talking Circles. Previewing the Daytona 500 here in 2019, 62nd running of the Great American Race is tomorrow on Sunday. Uh, three o'clock start there for the Daytona 500. Jake Owens playing the concert before the race. But we're going to talk about now, we're going to switch gears here a little bit um, and talk about the, what we saw all speed weeks and, and what we think the race will look like to who will be a contender in this, in this event. And uh, Spencer, I'm going to start with you here. A couple of guys in Duel One who really had strong, had strong cars. Uh, first, it was Kevin Harvick. Then it was Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Paul Menard, and Matthew Benedetto. Anybody of those four that stand out to you? Uh, probably Ricky Stenhouse. I mean, we know he's very aggressive at restrictor plate, restrictor plate racetracks. You know, he's no stranger to victory lane when it comes to Daytona and Talladega. And, you know, he does cause a lot of wrecks, but he's also very aggressive. And that's what you got to be. You got to be very aggressive. You got to, you got to side draft. You have, you, you, you just got to, you got to make your moves and you can't hesitate. And that's one of the reasons why he's gotten so good at these because he, he is aggressive. And, you know, I don't think, you know, Kevin Harvick obviously has a fast car, but I feel like whoever got out in front, they were always fast, you know. I mean, you saw today in today's race, some smaller cars were up front in today's race, and once you're in that draft, you're pretty much good to go. So anybody who gets out front's good. And, um, you know, I mean, I think Ricky is obviously the standout within those three. Really interesting stat about uh, that, um, that race on Thursday with Rodney Childers as the crew chief, it was his first career uh, restrictor plate win for Rodney Childers. So a very interesting uh, race for him. I think when you look at how he did on, on on Thursday, how that car was that car was dominant. I mean that four car led 44 laps of that race. That was that was unbelievable. Um, the only car that that led more was was William, or that led a significant amount was William Byron, who led 15. He was closer, top to the back. But a very interesting uh, first duel there, Philip, for uh, Brad Keselowski, who I think a lot of people, myself included, have put as a driver who has, I think, is a favorite to, that could possibly a favorite to win this race. And when you look at what Keselowski has done um, this speed weeks, he's had a really tough speed weeks. Had a terrible. Just terrible luck, I guess. You know, had a couple penalties on Thursday. Today, he had a, a roof hatch issue, issue in the Xfinity Series race that cost him that race. Any shot at winning that race. So, uh, a tough speed weeks was involved in the wreck and in a clash. A tough speed weeks for him so far. Uh, can you, do you think he can rebound? He's starting way back. Do you think he can rebound and, and win his first Daytona 500? I mean, we're talking about a guy who. A lot of people look at us as, as the best plate racer we currently have in the Cup Series. What are your thoughts on Brad Keselowski's uh, shot tomorrow? 
even though he's had a real tough speed weeks up to this point? I mean, I'll I'll qualify everything I say right here uh, as no and take it as it is. I mean, the reality is I can be completely impartial, but I'm a Brad Brad Keselowski fan. Uh, but here's here's the thing. The way I felt about Thursday, and I, I have friends on other pages, and something, and the way they explained this penalty, and the way they showed this penalty was questionable at best. It brings yet again, it brings up the the way that they, that NASCAR, you know, their selective enforcement and how they do penalties, and who they call them on, and all this stuff is quite debatable. But then when he speeds on pit road and all that other stuff, well, that's whatever. Danny Hamlin spent half of last year speeding on pit road, probably because of the coke. But um, the bad and then today he had no chance uh, with that blue patch. So the I would say that you could use up all your luck and and win your duel. Dale Senior was was legendary. He'd win the clash. He'd win his twin 125 he'd win the 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 goodies 300 and then on sunday for the daytona 500 it would just go to crap something would happen he'd blow a tire he'd run over something he'd get wrecked something would always happen and uh to me it's getting rid of the bad luck and it means that he's probably going to have a better day than he's had in the more recent in the most recent uh, Daytona 500s, he basically hasn't finished. I don't. I, I have to go and look back on it, but he basically hasn't been there at the finish since 2014. So the reality is, to be at the finish is already a bonus for Brad because it basically hasn't been the case for the last four years. I believe he will be at the finish. I also believe that uh, he has a very strong, if not, I mean, the strongest chance to win. Joey proved what those cars have. Blaney's been there all week. And Paul Menard last Sunday showed how fast a Penske car can be if you get him out front. Uh, so I'm not concerned about Brad being in the back and all the stuff that's happened this week. I've seen drivers dominate the whole week, and it goes it goes in the trash bin a few laps into the 500. Tony's, um, Tony Stewart, 2002, he did that. He won everything, and then three laps into the 500, he blew up. Uh, you know, so it's like it all, it's all relative. I, I figure Brad has a good shot. Kyle Busch got spun out by Jimmy, and he lost his mind. And the fact is, those two guys, Kyle Larson had blown engine, or basically had a bad engine, and they're all in the back. So to me the concerns, like it's going off a little bit, that we're going to have some issues of passing, I think, at least early in the race, there's going to be some passing because you have three of the best cars, three of the best drivers having to come from the tailback, as Rusty likes to say, mm-hmm. come and tailback <laughs> and come up to the front. So, For sure, it's going to be uh, interesting. i tell you another thing I found interesting about Kyle, but you talked about it, on thir- uh, what happened on Thursday, he spun, was a lap behind, and then he ha- decided to help Parker Clickman, who's in a TRD car, in a Toyota, get past Ryan Truex and Tyler Reddick to get into the Daytona 500. So basically what he did was help Ryan Truex, help Parker Clickman 
teammate's brother to get him into the Daytona 500. It was kind of a weird situation there. Um, and, and you saw Martin and Ryan and Parker Clickman all talking at the end of that race, and you're like, Kyle just helped. And he was being a company guy, but it was a very interesting situation. Uh, 917-889-8280 here talking in circles. Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with – or Clayton Caldwell, wow. I thought I would never do that this season, and I did it. I, I, I owe everybody a dollar here. Clayton Caldwell, Spencer Cowan, and Philip Matthew here tonight on Talking in Circles here. Um, Spencer, a, a good run for a couple of guys who you normally don't see up, up front. They really ran strong in duels. I know you and I talked about it while duel was going on, about Chris Busher, how strong he was uh, in the 150s. And Bubba Wallace, who um, wasn't strong initially in that race, but came on real strong late. Uh, what are your thoughts on their shots in the 500? They both have Richard Childress racing in, or excuse me, uh, now it's changed. Chris Buescher has a Hendrick engine in that car. Uh, Bubba Wallace has a strong affiliation with Richard Childress racing, ECR engine in his Chevrolet. What are your thoughts on Bubba's chances? Well, I think he has a really good shot, you know. There's no surprise that he was a talk of the Daytona 500 last year. He finished second, and I went to a fan Q&A for him today, and, you know, he was talking about how well he has run in the past at restricted plates, and, you know, he says this will be his uh, fourth start at Daytona, and he's getting the feel for the place, and, you know, I think he has a really good shot if he stays out of trouble. You know, he said last year he didn't quite know what he was doing, but he just, you know, he said he was like a lost dog, and then when you're there at the end, you obviously have a shot, you know. Just making it to the end, you have a shot. I mean, look at Austin. He was in the. He didn't run like phenomenal last year, and he was around when it mattered, and that got him to victory lane. So you know, he definitely has a shot. Just like I said, you got to stay out of trouble. And you know, Chris Busher, he, I think he ran really good in his duel. You know, he was top five all day, and his teammate Ryan Priest in the forty-seven. He was obviously up front. He stayed around sixth, seventh, and eighth. And you know, he's a rookie, so you know they definitely have speed in the race cars this year, and. He was around the end uh, in the 2017 Daytona 500, and he was around in the end for the last year Daytona 500, if I am mistaken. So he's a pretty good plate racer, and they both have a lot of talent, especially Chris Busher. He has a lot of talent. He just needs the right opportunity, and I think this is his year to shine. If he does, he this is his year. And uh, Bubba Wallace said he feels a little bit better about this year than he does last year. So you know that's uh, that can go a long way. For sure, I think when you look at uh, what's going on with with, I, I feel like RCR cars always have the speeds when they come to these tracks. And RCR engines. I mean, I, I said it before on the show. I mean, I, I go back to I'm going back to when Ricky Rudd took the pole in '83. They just seem to have the the speed. And, and Dale was uh, Earnhardt was always so terrific at these type of races. It's almost like you put him in a separate category compared to the rest of the RCR cars because. You know, he won 10 straight uh, duels. He won the 500. He, he won the Daytona 35 times. Uh, and some of them not even in RCR stuff with the, with the IROC series. So, uh, and to me, cars. he's kind of on an outlier. But Right, and the Bush cars, exactly. So, you know, but RCRs always seem to have speed. Uh, Harvick won here. Mike Skinner took a pole here one time. Jeff Burton took a pole here. Burton, I remember, I think mm-hmm. it was, gosh, 2008 or 2009, Burton had a real good shot at winning this thing. Uh, and, you know, they just came up short. So if you've got an RCR, ECR engine in that car, it always seems like you're going to have the horsepower 
to compete. It's just a matter of maybe in, in, in this race, you know, in this era, it's more, I think, that you need more luck than you do for your car to handle. Like maybe 10 years ago, you need some handling in it. But now it's, it just seems like we're saying, since the rules are so close and everybody's sort of in the same box, you need a little bit more luck to happen. And so Bubba's got to get that. Chris Buescher as well. Hendrick Power there for him. He'll be interested to keep an eye on for sure on Sunday tomorrow for the Daytona 500. Duel 2 was won by Joey Logano. Made a tremendous move at the end of that race, passing Clint Boyer, who led 41 laps in the event. Uh, an unbelievable run by Clint Boyer. Stuart Haas Racing was was really, really fast. Eric Amarola, third. This is a guy who a lot of people are pointing at going, listen, he's an underdog in this race. He was there last year. He was he was a half a lap away from winning the Daytona 500. Amarola got turned around, finishing third today, qualified strong. You know when you have a, Doug, a Robert Yates engine, a, a Yates, Roush Yates engine in that car, man, oh, man, you're going to go really fast. And, and, again, you can point to history for that. Dale Jarrett went in with his two 500s. Uh, you don't need to even know the history as, as far as the, the Yates engines in this in this race. So they're going to be really, really strong. Um, but a very, very interesting uh, duel, too. Spencer, I want to get your opinion on this uh, before we, we, we break down who was really strong. Um, real head-scratcher of that race was Kyle Larson. Um, not a ton of, of, of speed. He was way out of the draft. Was lucky he didn't fall a lap down. Was drafted with Alex Bowman at the end of that race, who actually fell a lap down. Um, he just didn't seem to have it. And, and I know it's only the Daytona 500 qualifying races. He's going to start 26th. He, he's fine as far as tomorrow is concerned. He can turn, flip a switch. All of a sudden, he'll be ninth in the Daytona 510 laps, and I wouldn't be shocked. But are, is there a little bit of a concern because he was so slow in qualifying? I mean, he started his duel in 16th, and he finished 12th. Is there a little bit of a concern for you and, and for the Kyle Larson fans heading into the Daytona 500 that maybe this isn't his week uh, and he just hasn't had the speed? What are your thoughts on Kyle Larson's shot tomorrow? Well, with me being a Kyle, with me being a Kyle Larson fan, you definitely don't want to see him uh, lose a draft and then go half a lap down. And then, you know, luckily he had he has I think you know his qualifying didn't really show it he ended up falling like 30 seconds or something but I think he what happened he just lost a draft and never could really catch up until and he still didn't catch up when Alex Bowman came by him but he never got a lap down I don't think when he was running by himself and then uh to him and then they definitely weren't getting uh lap down since he had help but I mean it's a bit of concern because if he doesn't have the draft and then there he is in the back all by himself so but, you know, there's a lot more cars in, you know, 16, and now there's going to be 40 cars. So, you know, there's going to be, you know, 10 cars behind him that are starting. And, you know, ho- you know hopefully he can get his way up to the front. I, I don't see why he couldn't. You know, he has Hendrick engines, and he's with a very top-tier team. So, you know, he's a pretty good restrictor plate racer. You know, he won the race there in the X-20 Series last year and in July. And he was a half a lap or a turn away from winning the 2017 Daytona 500. So hopefully his uh, he's got all that behind him, and he can when the green flag drops, he can work his way up to the front and see what happens and go from there. Yeah, I just was finding so curious because this is a guy like you said he was there in 2017, ran really really good, was really fast. Just uh, I think he he 
surprised everybody with how good he was in that race because we never really seen Larson perform on a, on a restricted plate before. And that was sort of his coming out party where he sat there and said, okay, here's Kyle Larson. You can run on a play track. Look at 2017 Daytona 500. And, you know, obviously this race is right now with how, again, how this package is and everything that goes with it. I feel like this race is about 70 to 75%. Maybe I'm even lowballing a little bit, but 70 to 75% luck. You really have to have a lot of luck to win this race. Stay out of the wrecks. Um, you know, it's very possible you're getting caught up in a wreck that is not your fault. Um, and and that's just the way plate racing is, but that's what part of makes it so charming and what makes this race so special um, that, hey, anybody can win it. So if you win it, it's like, well, I beat, I beat everybody on their best day with, you know, with the shiniest cars, with the, with a new season, everybody ready to go. Um, I beat them on their best day. So I think when you look at it from that standpoint, Daytona 500 still holds, uh, you know, a lot of value in these drivers' eyes and in these, dri- in these teams' eyes, but it's just a different sort of win, I guess you can say now. Um, Philip, I talked earlier about Logano passing Boyer, three fourths uh, in the top three, and then it, Blaney, we saw him run really good last year. Um, anybody that stands out there as far as, who you think is going to really be fast? I know Dale Jr. came out and said Joey Logano is his pick to win the 500. Uh, what are your thoughts? You, Logano's always strong on these play tracks. He runs he's a very aggressive driver, but he's he's smart, aggressive. He knows how to get it done. What are your thoughts on on the dual two and, and those three four drivers in the front? I mean, Joey's the defending Cup Series champion, and uh, he's just taken off on that, continuing that momentum from last November and he's made the most interesting move the whole entire week, the cleanest move of the whole entire week. And uh, plus in making passing those guys. And I mean, the sad thing is he used it up on Thursday. And if he tries to do that, you know, tomorrow evening, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to block and there's going to be a big wreck. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, Penske cars have been fast. These restricted plates for a long time. The Stewart Haas uh, four, and then the Ford affiliation, where it seems like there's this uh, unity where they're all trying to work together, which would have been nice years ago. Being a, a Davy Allison Ernie Irving Texaco Avalon 28 fan, and when Roush was there, and some of the other Ford teams were there, if they worked together more like how Chevy has with ECR and whatever. It it would have been better back in the day, but that's beside the point. I think when it comes to Logano and the Stuart Haas car, the Penske and Stuart Haas cars, they they keep on mentioning it on TV, how the Stuart Haas cars work together, and Eric Almirola got a second career win. He's won July race in one game on one – Fantasy picks game. I've picked Eric Almirola to win tomorrow. Uh, the reality is, it's going to be hard to beat these Mustangs. Uh, they and in general, the, there's very there's very little evidence that's been shown during this this week that would tell me that it would be that a non-Ford could win unless. You know, the Hendrick cars all kind of got together and ran up top, which is possible. 
they have the speed. I mean, it's like Tyler Reddick today won the pole in his first race for RCR, defending Xfinity Series champion, was fastest car there, had to go to the go and run tailback, as Krusty likes to say, and came all the way to the front, led, but then got passed and kept on coming back and forth and didn't really work out for him in the end. But the point is, if you have a fast piece, you have a fast piece. And uh, in terms of, you know, what's going to happen with these fours and what's going to happen with the draft, I mean, I have no idea. I, I, I mean, I could make, I could go out on a limb, which isn't, it's a pretty strong one, but they're just going to run, you know, most of the segments, the first two segments, and even the third up high, and then they'll race with about 20 to go in the last, in the last segment, in the last five laps, because every stage point counts in cup. So uh, there'll be racing probably for about 40 laps tomorrow, which when you consider it's a 500 mile race and, is pretty bad, but you know, it's to be determined. We'll see what happens. Nine one seven eight nine eight two eight zero Hill talking in circles, Clayton Caldwell with Spencer Cowan and Philip Matthew here tonight. Previewing the Daytona five hundred. Sixty first running of the Daytona five hundred is Sunday. Uh can't wait for it. You look at the lineup, it's very interesting. There's two Chevys obviously because Byron and Bowman, uh they they took the, the front row in qualifying and then there's six consecutive Fords, which mean they, they finished one, two, three in each duel. Um, and the first Toyota in the, in the starting lineup is Matt Benedetto, who uh, just hasn't really gotten a lot of, of, of hype in this race as a guy who could potentially win this thing. Um, he's, if you're not familiar with his story, he, he moved from uh, BK Racing to Go Fast Racing, spent two years at Go Fast Racing, um, and, and has now moved to... The Vine Family Racing, they're going to have an, an association in 2019 with Toyota, with JGR. And he went up there and, and really fought hard. He's in Matt Kenseth's, or Matt Casey Kane's car from last year, excuse me. Um, and he really went up there and, and did a great job, finished fourth in his duel. Uh, Spencer, I'm going to go to you. What are your thoughts on De Benedetto's chances at winning this Daytona 500? And it'd be, it, it'd be wild because we've seen a first-time winner in trucks, We've seen a first-time winner in Xfinity. Can we see a first-time winner in the Cup Series? And will we? Um, will it be Matthew Benedetto? You know, like we say, when you go to a restrictor plate racetrack, everybody has a shot. But you know, he's definitely in a fast piece. You know, he's with Levon Family Racing, and you know they were decent before they got with JGR. And now that they're aligned with JGR, you know that changes the ball game. You know, Joe Gibbs is in a phenomenal organization compete for champions uh, year in and year out. So, um, And he's a very talented race car driver. He, he gets the most out of his equipment. No matter if it's a turd car, he'd finish higher than what the car really should finish. So he definitely knows what he's doing behind the wheel of a race car. And, you know, the Toyotas are fast when they get together. Um, we've seen them in the past. They get together. And I think, you know, if he has help and he has other Toyotas around him, you know, he can definitely shine and put his car up front and give uh, Pro, Pro Course some experience exposure and uh have a good run for Levon family racing and you know Levon family racing has had some decent finishes and some really good finishes here with uh michael mcdowell and 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 other drivers like scott speed he used to uh, not scott speed yeah scott speed he used to put the he would run sometimes in the top 10 with the daytona 500 so it's a good little team and jg with jgr being on board now and 
you know, TDR helping all them. Uh, you know, they could have a good shot. They just got to stay out of trouble and stay up front and fight hard for their positions and be there at the end. Part of what makes this race so great is the fact that a guy like Keith Benedetto, um, I'm not sure where he's going to, where this team's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see as 2019 moves along, but he'll, he has a chance of winning this race tomorrow. There's no doubt about that. Spencer just alluded to it. There's, there's, 30, I think there's about 33, 34 cars that can win this thing. So that puts a lot of underdogs in this event. Uh, Philip, I'll go to you first. Give me, before we give our picks to win the 500, our final picks because of all speed weeks, we've watched everything that's going on. Before we give our final picks for the day to win the 500, is there an underdog right now uh, after watching everything you've watched this, this speed weeks and everything? It could be D. Benedetto. Is there an underdog you watched, Philip, this week that you think could win go out there and win this 500? I mean, the question I would I would uh, give to you is what 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 is an underdog? Who's an underdog? What how would you define an underdog? Because you could make well, you could make a reach for I mean, some of these guys and call them an underdog. You could make Paul Menard theoretically an underdog, well, even though he's in a Penske car. I would you say know? somebody who 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 you wouldn't think doesn't have really the team to compete on a regular basis and doesn't w- go up for wins. Menards with the Wood Brothers, who are a good team, they have uh, Penske affiliation, so they're, they're real strong. Um, so I'm not sure I would put him in that category, but I'm talking about teams, drivers that, that when you look in the paper on Sunday, where you sit there, and Menard might be in this category too, but I would exclude him. He might be one of the guys that I would exclude. But when you look at this paper on Sunday and it says blah, blank wins the Daytona 500, I want what people's reaction should be is, wow, who? Who won the Daytona 500? That's who I want to see as far as somebody you look at and you say, um, what underdog has a chance at winning this, this 500 in your eyes? Well, I've got, I've got, I'll do two here. Uh, the one that would, like, really honestly would be an uh, out of the box. Nobody in media, any lame streamers, all this who throw everybody for a loop is uh, Mech Driver. Uh, that's your 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 driver's teammate there, David Reagan's teammate, Michael McDowell in the 34 car. Uh, once upon a time, David Reagan drove that car to a victory at Talladega, and uh, had Dave Gillen pushing him there. So. As Spencer mentioned, you know, the when the 95 did its best work when they had Michael McDowell in it, he ran well at restricted play tracks, he ran well at road courses. He's a road course specialist from his sports car days, running IMSA, and I mean not running IMSA, it was Grand Am back then, running the Daytona prototypes. Michael McDowell would be that one. To me, that would be going out there. He's a, you know, he's a great, great guy. Personally, I got to interview him years ago at the track, and he was at a point in his career when he was driving for Phil Parsons and Jay Robinson when he was having to start and park, and he was a total gentleman. And he answered, we spent a few minutes together, and he answered my questions honestly and forthright and in a way that you're like, from that moment on, I've always rooted for Michael McDowell. He's most famous for almost Right. killing himself at Texas that one time in the double zero car because it was a piece of crap because it's Michael <laughs> Walter. Um, but 
you know, and but the fact is Michael McDowell is a very accomplished race car driver. He's won for RCR in the Xfinity series before at World America. He's a good driver. And if he were to go out there and win this race tomorrow, I don't think there'd be one angry person out there. Uh, I, it, would sure. be the, it would be an amazing story. And, you know, there's other aspects to it with him and his family and all that. It would be a really great story. Uh, the secondary pick, it's also kind of a bias pick because I've been a fan of his for a while. They're, they're, and because of what he did last year, it, it might be a stretch. But the reality is when you consider where RPM is uh, funding-wise, where you consider what RPM did after this race a year ago, only two top tens after this race, the fact is Bubba Wallace is an underdog. And Bubba Wallace, after this weekend, I mean, the reality is the testing showing that he might be able to compete a little better. I also think Derek Stamets being his crew chief is a major upgrade over Drew Blickensdurfer, which is funny because I just talked about Michael McDowell, but whatever. The fact is I think Stamets wants to work <laughs> with, with Bubba Wallace. I think Derek wants to help him. I think they have a good chemistry together and they kind of seem to be vibing. The way that Bubba was maneuvering his his car on Thursday and the way he's been running in practice, it seems like he's built that respect and that people want to drive with him this year. And frankly, I mean, who, I mean, if you write that story, I mean, you want to talk about box office, you want to talk about getting on the front page of news, major newspapers and on websites and whatever you want to talk about the media frenzy that would take place. You want to have something big? Go and put have have Bubba Wallace put Mister the King's forty three car in victory lane tomorrow night. I probably will be in. I'll be in hysterics. That'd be huge if that happens. It'll be it'll be a major thing for the sport. Right. It'd be huge for the King. It'd be huge in general. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a stretch in a sense based on what he's done at Daytona, but because I, I of where they is. are, yeah. I, I say Bubba would be the be that guy or Michael McDowell. That's just me though. Interesting. Well, and and I think Bubba has a much better chance than McDowell. And I'll say this, and it's only because the front row motorsports cars just didn't look very good on Thursday. They just didn't. McDowell was way behind. He finished two laps down in his duel. He was behind. Reagan did not was not thrilled with his race car, and Tiff's just sort of out on his own. I, I'm not really putting Tiff in this 500 as far as in the same category as the veterans of Reagan and McDowell. Tiff's got a lot of learning to do. He's saying, I'm learning out there. He's going to learn a ton on Sunday. I'd be stunned if he went out there and, and won the 500. Um, so I wouldn't put him in there. But those two guys, the veterans, McDowell, who's – man, it's crazy. You put up the, the wreck of Texas. It's crazy to think that's 11 years ago now that he wrecked and, and did that crazy wreck of Texas with MWR. Um, he's been around here a long time. Reagan's been around here a long time. So those two guys – if they ran stronger and held the held the draft in their duel, I would feel much better about them at front row motorsports than I do. Um, I don't feel that great about them coming into Sunday, unfortunately, uh, heading into the Daytona 500. 917-889-8280, Talking Circles, Clayton Caldwell with um, Philip Matthews and Spencer Cowan. Spencer, we're going to go to you now. Um, your pick as an underdog for this 500, and there's a lot of guys out there 
maybe even somebody who's going to win for the first time. Chris Buescher, he's got to win a rain-shortened win at Pocono. Ryan Priest, his teammates are rookie. Uh, you got a lot of good guys to choose from. Who's your uh, underdog that you look at to win the Daytona 500? Well, an underdog would obviously be Michael McDowell and Bubba Wallace, but you already mentioned them. But I think Chris Bush would be an underdog. Like you said, he's got one win under his belt. Fog or not, he's got the trophy sitting in his trophy room, So, and it does say winner on it. And he ran phenomenal in his duel. He's top five all night long. And, I mean, every day, ton of 500, he's there at the end. So, you know, he's he's a very talented race car driver. He's very smart. He doesn't make stupid moves. And, uh, you know, Chris, you know, they I think that team is getting better. And I think they're going to have a very strong year. And we've mentioned on the previous show that Chris Buescher is a threat to make the playoffs. And uh, like you said, Priest it also had a very good car in his duel, even though he's a rookie and he has a lot to learn. But he's also a very talented race car driver. I mean, his first uh, three, four uh, starts with Joe Gibbs in the Xfinity Series, they were all top five finishes. So he definitely knows what to do behind the wheel of the race car. But Chris Buescher is probably definitely my pick to be an underdog to go out and win the Daytona 500. Um, you know, like I said, you just got to stay out of trouble and be there at the end. But if he's there at the end like he was last year and everything goes his way, those last couple laps, he could definitely park the number 37, JTG, uh, Daughtery Racing, Chevrolet, and Victory Lane. Well, you guys took a lot of good drivers from my underdog pick, but I'm a couple of guys to keep an eye on, and I'm not sure I would consider one an underdog. I'm not going to put him in that category yet, but I just, I'm just i very curious to see how he runs in his first Daytona 500. Qualified tremendously, was not did not have a great duel, and that's Daniel Hemrick. And, and Hemrick, we've seen him in the past uh, when he ran Richmond last year, qualified really good there, and that first stage he – was complete. It it was like somebody put an anchor on that car, and it just just dropped right to the back. Had a lot to learn uh, after qualifying. I guess I'm curious to see how he adapts to this 500 as the race goes on. Um, uh, he's somebody to keep an eye on. But my guy, as far as somebody who I think is an underdog to win this race, uh, is is the Xfinity Series champion from last year. Tyler Reddick, who, listen, he's in an RCR car. It's the third RCR car. Um, again, he's in a sort of a boat like Tiff, where you look at it and say, it's the first cup race. Um, but he's got a really good stuff. He ran K in his duel, was good in qualifying, ran today, was strong today for a little while before he got shuffled back. But um, it, he's somebody to keep an eye on as far as an underdog who can win this 500. It, it, what makes this race so much fun is there's just so many guys who can choose to win this race on Sunday. So that's what's next, guys. I'm asking you, so get ready here as I do my little spiel, and I'll tell you who I think is going to win this Daytona 500. Get your minds going, thinking about who you think is the one driver that you would put money on tomorrow to win the Daytona 500, to win the 61st Daytona 500. Um, I, I think Spencer might have gave us his pick early in the show, but we'll go back to him and see if, if, if for sure that is who he thinks is going to win. I'm, I'm going to give you guys, and it's a very, very... Um, Surprising pick maybe to you guys because we haven't touched on him at all on this show. I'm going to go Chase Elliott, and I'll tell you why. I love the way he, he was aggressive, went to the bottom. His car was really, really fast. He was able to pass some cars by himself uh, on, on, on Thursday at the duels. He, I know he finished eighth, and his aggressiveness might backfire on him because he's going to drop to the rear. But I like a, a driver who's going to be aggressive in this race, who's going to go out there and push the envelope and say, 
I'm going to try and win the Daytona 500. I'm going to go Chase Elliott to win the Daytona 500. Kind of surprising pick because, again, we haven't really discussed him recently um, on, on tonight's show, but I'm going to go Chase Elliott. Now, Spencer, um, I'm going to ask you, who do you got to win the 500 tomorrow? I know you mentioned a lot of guys, but I think I might have an idea who you have. Who's your pick to win the 500? I have to say, I think my pick has actually changed from the the two from, to the 22. Um, like you mentioned, Brad has just had an awful speed weeks, and this was definitely not his plan when he was flying down to Daytona to start his speed weeks the way he has. You mentioned the door. His uh, In today's race, you know, had penalties in his uh, duel, and the door was in the extended race, sorry. But uh, Joey Logano is incredible, and you saw what he was able to do. I think he was fifth in line, and he ducked out, and Ryan Blaney went with him, and those two cars were able to beat the front four cars in the whole line, and he's just phenomenal, incredible on restricted play racetracks, and he's no stranger to victory lane when it comes to winning the Daytona 500. You know, he won it in 2015, and he held off, you know, one of the best, Dale Jr., in that race, so he's uh, definitely one of the best that we have possibly seen in restricted plates. And um, so my pick is now the 22 car uh, for Penske. And, but I, I said any Penske car could win, but he's definitely the odd man to win in my opinion. And if I was in Vegas, I'd put money on him. Certainly not a bad pick. I mean, we've seen Logano. He, he's great at the plates. Defending champion would be interesting to see if he could get back to victory lane in the Daytona 500. Okay, Philip. I- a little fighting words there for you from Spencer. I know you're a Kozlowski fan. He kind of changed his pick from Kozlowski, saying he's had a tough speed week. Your thoughts on, on who you think is the favorite to win the 500? It's funny, Spencer. It's it's something that we're all, like, it, it, I, I realize that there's a reason why we're all together as hosts or we're all doing this show together. And we all kind of seem to be on the same wavelength thinking about uh, these races and how they are. And I was sitting there saying, you know what, if nobody says anything, I'm just going to go with Joey Logano. But I know, I figure, you know what, maybe Spencer will go with Brad and, you know, I'll, I'll just get Joey Logano. Well, Spencer went with Joey Logano. So then I said, well, you know what, he's my boy. He's my driver. I went and got a banner at the Quaker Steak and Lube in Peaberg, and they gave it to me from the 2018 season. I have it sitting right over here over my right shoulder, the 2018 schedule, or it had Brad's car, the Miller Lite car, and all that. I'll go and live and die by it. It's all fine. Uh, the reality is Brad Keselowski, and I, this is from a guy who's watched 27 years Daytona 500s and the first Daytona 500 he watched his driver won and ever since then he hasn't watched his favorite driver win his favorite driver's finished second has figured out, figured out every which way to not win this race and Brad admitted this week that you know 2014 he should have tried to make a move on Dale Jr. and he didn't the reality is you know he's in a good place he's, his birthday was this week and He's happy. He's, you know, there's the fact that bad things have happened this whole week and he got wrecked in the duel. And the the 150 didn't go well and the, the Xfinity race didn't go well. I mean, he would have been the only compelling guy there because he's the only one that actually knows what he's doing. But his freaking 
driver roof hatch fell fell off. I mean, somebody should tell these people who make these bodies to freaking go to NHRA and say, here's how you hold on a roof hatch. I don't know how it happened on a Penske car, but it is what it is. I'll stick with Brad, and and I'll I'll ride and die by that. And the fact is him starting 35th is a great thing for this race because, quite frankly, it needs help. And (laughs) him coming to the front is going to – and him and Kyle, the two BFFs that they are, uh, all tongue-in-cheek, being so far back, I think, is going to assist a race that needs a lot of help uh, early on. And I think it'll, and in the end, is watching that discount tire car going to victory lane and lose, I'll lose my crap. I might lose my voice. I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> and then we'll uh, see what happens with that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he does from the back. Again, I talked about this earlier in the week, and I want to reiterate it. I just don't think that strategy is going to work this tomorrow of hanging in the back. And that's something Kozlowski can certainly entertain because, hey, you're starting 35th. You're back there anyway. Kyle Busch is there. So it's not like you're going to be in no man's land if you just say, Larson. you know what, it's a 500-mile race. Larson's back there too. It's a 500-mile race. I'm just going to take my time. I don't think you can do that because track position is so valuable. And these guys, we saw no tires in, in the duels. Well, you know, I don't think there's going to be too much of a of strategy you can play to gain the spots you need to gain to get up there. You're going to have to race your way up there if you want to get up there if you're Kozlowski. Um, so I, I think he's going to try run real hard there all day tomorrow. I want to thank Philip Matthew. I want to thank Spencer Cowan. For them, I'm Clayton Caldwell. We'll see you next time on Talking in Circles as we get ready for the 61st Daytona 500. Good night, everybody.